welcome back, Islanders, to the Double Eye Show, Fantasy Island, where we got you covered on all things fantasy. You made it to your fantasy playoffs, or you made it to your fantasy consolation bracket. Either way, we were with you every step of the way, and this week will be no different. Week 15, we're going over everyone that you must start, needs to be in your lineups, lock them in, and everybody that you need to put on the bench. They should be nowhere near your lineup. They're not going to help. These are a crucial time for all fantasy players as playoffs are starting. And if your playoffs haven't started, then it's the game before your playoffs. So either way, this is crunch time. It's what everyone likes to call the fourth quarter. So we're going to go over who you need to have in your lineups, who you need to keep out of your lineups. And I'm going to throw it over to T to let you know who in week 15 you must start. All right, Bumbo. So I got two for you this week and they Probably both of them come as no surprise. Number one on my list is Tony Pollard. In the last two weeks, he's scored two tutties in each game. He's clearly trending to the RB1 in that team. We've been calling it out since the beginning of the season. Prior to the season, when we're talking about the divisionals and we went over Dallas, we've been saying that he is the most talented back in that entire backfield for that team. And I mean, this just kind of goes to show when you give him the reps, when you actually feature him more, this is what happens, right? Zeke is what he is. At this point, he's kind of a sideshow. You just kind of trot him out there for the fans. But Pollard's really the guy in that backfield that makes it move. So I really got to say that really this week, week 15, you absolutely have to start Tony Pollard because he's getting those opportunities. And now they're going into a playoff run. And for those fantasy owners, this is the start of your playoffs. So you have to make sure that you got a guy like a Tony Pollard who is kind of turning into the RB1 bell cow for this Dallas Cowboys. So Pollard must start week 15, start of the fantasy playoffs. Just lock it in. And number two, Njoku. David Njoku, healthy. You know, he's been out for the last couple of weeks. He's then he comes in, he's still a little nicked up, but now he's starting to get healthy. And with him in a fantasy lineup, especially going into the fantasy playoffs, with Deshaun Watson starting to build a good rapport with him. By the way, Deshaun looked a lot better in the second week that he played, which we expect from him. The guy's super talented. Like I said last week, let's like kind of taper down our expectations. We can't expect the guy to come in and light it up. But week two, he felt a lot more comfortable. He looked a lot more comfortable. And he was throwing to Njoku like crazy. Njoku had seven catches for 59 yards and a tutty. So this guy is not one of those touchdown or bust or those, you know, touchdown dependent type of tight ends. He can get his. And when you start thinking about the tight ends that are out there and how most of them nowadays are pretty either touchdown dependent or they're Travis Kelsey. That's it. Mm-hmm. Right. The, those are the only two. And Joku's kind of in that middle. He's kind of that weird hybrid. And his week 15 matchup, think about this. He's going up against Baltimore's pass defense. And Baltimore's pass defense is a little bit sus. So I really like to see what he's going to be able to do. And if you have him in your lineup to start off your fantasy playoffs, I think you can pick a lot worse type of tight ends to plug in. So if you have him on your bench or if you have him anywhere in your lineup, to me, he's a must start. 100% agree uh, on that take, both guys. So we've been talking about it on air, off air, 
in passing when it came to Tony Pollard. It's similar to what we saw with Debo, similar to what we saw with Patterson in Atlanta. Your playmaker should be getting the ball. Now, Dallas has on the surface and just by looking at them, you would think they're loaded with playmakers. Schultz, C.D. Lamb, Dak, Zeke, Pollard. But Pollard is the consistent on that team. C.D. Lamb's a wide receiver one, set in, forget it, wide receiver one. I want to say he had like five catches for like 35 yards or something silly like that in this past game against Houston. And Houston, hey, shout out to Houston for giving the Cowboys fans all over the world a nice little scare. Houston was giving it to them in that game, for real. And I was watching that game, waiting for just to hear from Cowboys fans that were going to be on suicide watch. But that that's a different story. But <laughs> How the consist- about them Texans? Yeah, how about them Texans? But Pollard has been the consistent offensive fantasy star on that team. You could possibly say Prescott as well. He's still kind of making some questionable throws. And one thing I am noticing about Dak is he starts to go away from guys after they either give him a big drop or something doesn't go right with the play. I want to say he, he hit Gallup in the end zone and Gallup took a big shot, like in the end zone and dropped the ball, fell over his shoulder, dropped it. Gallup didn't get a, didn't get a uh, target the rest of the game. And then you hear about them trying to bring in Odell. They just signed T.Y. Hilton, by the way, which means they don't think they have enough on offense. They don't, and you would think that the Cowboys are loaded, but they don't think they have enough on offense if they're bringing in these guys. But T.Y.'s got his rascal ready. Yeah, get him out there on the rascal. He's He's out there in the leather helmet. The one constant that is clicking on that offense is Tony Pollard. And they're getting him out in space. They're throwing to him in the flats. They're letting him make plays in the open field and they're giving him quality carries. And I was just like you, I was ready to be like, give this guy the rock and phase Zeke out. But you know what? Zeke has taken really well to this, this one B role where he knows he's going to be getting those carries at fourth and two. He knows he's going to be getting the end zone looks. He's going to be getting it from the five ready to go in. And he has no problem with that. And at the same time, if you bring both backs in, which they do sometimes, you don't know who's getting the ball and each one of them has the potential to take it to the house. Yeah, Zeke has, you know, been there. He's has the injuries. He's had sort of a bum knee earlier in the year. Don't get it twisted. Zeke can take it to the house still. The thing is, Pollard has a little bit more juice and I just trust Pollard more when it comes down to how many more guys you can break all the way there. If they keep on feeding Pollard the way they're feeding Pollard and clicking how they're clicking, this may be the year for those boys, but at the same time, those boys are still those boys. So they may in the playoffs run into somebody, but it don't matter what was happening in real football. What matters is what's happening in fantasy football. And in fantasy football, Tony Pollard is a stud. And Joku, you're 100% right. He isn't a touchdown guy. Take away his touchdown from this week. He still has 13 fantasy points just off his catches in his yards. It's not really a coconut statement. I'm just saying as of what I'm seeing with the rapport with Watson and his role in that offense, Njoku's wide receiver one for that team. Not like Kelsey, not like Mark Andrews. It's just that the routes and the offensive plays that are ran for him are made to take advantage of smaller linebackers and safeties that can't keep up with him. So yeah, the more polished wide receiver and best wide receiver on that team is Amari Cooper. But as far as what's who's supposed to be the focal point of that offense, from what I'm seeing, Outside of Nick Chubb in the passing game, it's Ninjoku, and that's who it's supposed to be. It's I think after Watson starts getting the play action down, 
because really you, you, you nailed it. Watson was going to get better. We weren't ready to bury him just yet. He's going to get better. But what we haven't seen out of this offense so far, we haven't seen big plays from Nick Chubb. We haven't seen Kareem Hunt get involved. We've just seen Watson trying to get a feel for the offense and this just Watson barely knowing the playbook and barely getting, you know, accustomed to this team. He's already targeting the shit out of Njoku. Imagine what starts to happen once the running game comes along and then that, that play action opens up. And he starts to hit big plays. And once those big plays happen, now you got to bring that safety over on Amari Cooper, leaving the middle of the field open for Njoku. My prediction is you're right. Leave him in your lineups as your tight end because there's big things that are going to be on the horizon for Njoku. And I think he's going to see more touchdowns, more catches, and more yards. And like we said before, it's at the position that you're going to take whatever you can get from a guy. And if he's giving you 13 points without touchdowns, then you're throwing touchdowns on top of it. And for a team that's throwing it all over the place because they got nothing to lose, that's a recipe for a must-start. I feel you, T. I'm going to go into my must-starts for Week 15, the meat and potatoes of the fantasy season. And I'm going to go with a couple of running backs that have been really hit or miss. But these are the times where you, I think you could put them in your lineup and run with them as your RB2 low-end or RB1s. And that's Miles Sanders of the Philadelphia Eagles and James Conner of the Cardinals. So Miles Sanders, this guy was notorious for having a game on, then having a game off. And then, you know, sometimes he's getting some run and then sometimes he's not. And what sucks is all of this is happening in wins. So there's not really games where they're winning the game because of Miles Sanders' performance. But the positive is they're not losing games because of Miles Sanders. But at the same time, what we're starting to see with this team is very matchup dependent. If they go against a real shitty rush defense, they're going to feed that running back and he can produce. Miles Sanders is quick. Miles Sanders can catch passes out of the backfield. For some reason, they're not targeting him the way they should be, but he can. And when it comes down to it, this team is, I would say, what do you think, T? The Eagles are overachieving right now at 12 at 13 and 1? I would say yes, but just slightly, to be honest with you, because they are a very solid, very well-balanced team, and they're on the ascension. So well-coached, their quarterback is coming into his own, which everybody kind of figured he would be. They went out and got him some weapons around him. So are they kind of overperforming? Yeah, I would say a little bit, but not by much. So when it comes to teams like the Eagles that are surprising people that, I mean, number one seed, right? They haven't wrapped up. They were the wild card last year. The the final wild card last year barely snuck in. Now they're the number one seed. Well, if you want to take that playoff pressure off your quarterback and you want to give your team some confidence, show everyone you could run the ball. And if you could run the ball, and we've seen at all of these teams that we've seen excel and get to the championships or make deep playoff runs, they all did the same thing. Even Kansas City. Back, you know, when Kansas City years back started feeding the shit out of Damian Williams and took some pressure off them. And they went into the playoffs, like clicking on all cylinders, the bucks playoff Lenny, right? He became playoff Lenny in week 16 and 17 when he just started going off out, out of nowhere. And then the Rams last year, when all of a sudden now they have Sony Michelle and Cam Akers running the shit out of the ball in the last couple of weeks of the regular season, which gave them, you know, momentum into the playoffs. This is the same thing. And, I think that if you give this running back, if you give Miles Sanders his carries, 
and you give him high quality touches. I don't, I don't mean have him running into a brick wall. I mean, open up those running lanes that you were going to open up for Jalen Hurts, but instead of that zone option, instead of the keep, just give it to him. And that's the perfect thing, right? With this team is that zone option play, that ace right that where they're going off of the tight end and they're hitting that zone that can literally go to Jalen Hurts or Miles Sanders. And we saw it against the, Packers earlier in the year were no matter who was running the ball, they were killing them. I think the Eagles have that in them. And right now, I think I would go with Miles Sanders just because of the body language that I was seeing in week 14. And every time he was getting the ball in here doing chunk runs, he was getting up juiced. And there was times last year where Miles Sanders just looked detached from the team. Like he didn't know what his role was. So like last year, they brought in Jordan Howard. Boston Scott was balling out. There was a Kenneth Gainwell, they had like a full-blown running back by like a four-headed monster, and they were fine with that, plus Jalen Hurts. Now, when it comes down to it, he's getting more of the high-quality touches. So what we've been seeing lately from the Eagles is their trust in Miles Sanders and just giving him those high-quality touches. We're not going to see him get 30 carries a game. Hey, if we did, if he got 30 carries a game, this dude would be a monster. But the touches that he's getting are putting him in position to get big chunks of yards and score touchdowns. So give me Miles Sanders in week 15. Honestly, give me Miles Sanders in your lineup as your running back two or your flex if you're deep. Going forward, I think you can trust this Eagles team to put up points. They do have a favorable schedule coming up against the Giants. They do have that Dallas game coming up, but that Dallas's run D can, can't be gashed. So... Miles Sanders is one of my must-starts, which brings me to my next must-start, James Conner. And this is just opportunity meets skill. James Conner may not be the fastest guy out there. He's not tearing up combine numbers. But you know what? He is a trusted back who can catch the ball, who has been there before, who knows the offense, and has a statue of a backup quarterback now leading this offense. Kyler Murray's done. We'll get into it when we go into our injuries segment but as of right now Kyler Murray's not coming back for the rest of this year and it's Colt McCoy back there the old vet the old vet Colt McCoy on his rascal handing the ball off and against the Patriots in week 14 James Conner showed showed us a little something James Conner was out there running hard he had a touchdown I want to say 140 scrimmage yards he was getting dump offs. After a while, he was turning into their whole offense and he went down with an injury and came back in two plays later. So he was, he could have easily sat it out. You know, they're not playing for anything. Kyler's already on the shelf, uh, but he went out there and he gamed it up. He was there until the last snap. And honestly, they don't really have much behind them. They have Keontae Ingram, who we spoke about, you know, a couple of weeks back on a, on a waiver wire segment. But he's not really trusted. They have Corey Clement. They somehow found him somewhere, brought him in, and he got some snaps. But it was really a James Conner show when it came down to high-quality touches, third down, and getting the majority of the running back touches. And it's really hard to find that, especially this time during the year. It's hard to find a bell cow, and he is a legit bell cow. He's not in a committee. As of right now, there isn't a reliable tight end on that team. With Zach Ertz being gone, now the short underneath stuff and all the flat stuff have to go out to Connor. Not only that, but when Colt McCoy is on the run or he's in distress like he was this past week, he immediately looks to the left and looks for where James Connor's, where he's supposed to be because all he's doing is chipping that guy coming off of the blind side and he's supposed to be rolling out. So he's trying to dump that off to James Connor. So he's going to be looked for. Now that Colt McCoy is definitely integrated in this offense, you got a full week of practice. They're going to have to try to find ways to get him the ball in space, 
take advantage of some of these short throws because Colt McCoy is not airing it out. Like they're going to get Rondell Moore back. They have Hollywood Brown, but Colt McCoy only has like two of those throws in him. Other than that, it's D hop across the middle on short stuff to try to make a play. And it's going to be the running game. And we spoke about this T. We don't know what the Cardinals are right now as far as, you know, their offensive identity, what they're going to be doing in the future. But what we do know is these guys are all auditioning for their jobs right now because Cliff Kingsbury is auditioning for his job. And the next guy that comes in is going to try to probably clean house. The only thing that's probably going to be a constant is Kyler Murray because follow the money he's got paid and he's talented. So everyone's auditioning and James Conner has proven when he gets the ball, he does, he does his part. He He's probably looking for something maybe long-term, maybe his last contract because we, and if you know the story, James Conner shouldn't even be in the league, but he is doing what he's got to do. Give me a bell cow in a sputtering offense with a nice schedule coming up. Put him in your lineup as your RB2 and he could potentially get you RB1 upside Low end RB1 upside just because he doesn't catch a lot of passes, but he does catch passes. And I just don't see them really getting to the end zone that much. But if they are going to score a touchdown, I would say it's going to be on the feet of James Conner. So give me James Conner, Miles Sanders, locked into your lineups, week 15. What say you, sweet T? All right. So that's a lot to digest, but I'm going to start off with Miles Sanders first. Miles Sanders, we know that he's a beast. And kind of going back to what you were saying You know, I covered this team going back to the divisionals. You know, that was one of the teams that I covered. And the fact that they didn't bring back Howard was one of the things that I called out was that this was Sanders backfield. This was them saying, you know what? This is going to be your backfield. You are that Valkel for this team. And this is the certainty. This is kind of the direction we're giving you. So you know that this is you, all you. Now, with that said, though, they really haven't utilized him the way that they should have all season long. He's only had three games over 100 yards. He's had a couple games where he came close to it in the 90s. But those games where he had over 100 yards, they were feeding him the ball. That's the common denominator is feed him the rock. And the fact that He's has a history of getting hurt. He does have an injury history, but this season he's been extremely healthy and they still haven't given him the rock. And maybe that's why he's been so healthy is because they haven't overwhelmed him, but they don't have to kind of to your point. But I do like to see what's going to be in store for him going into the fantasy playoffs and then going into the actual playoffs because fantasy wise over the next three weeks, You know, they're trying to get that number one overall. They're trying to get that home field advantage. They're trying to do things. And if they're smart, like I know that they are, they'll probably be riding him into that type of scenario. So coming up on a fantasy, you know, our our fantasy playoffs, I like the fact that he's in that lineup and I do trust him. Depending on how my team is made up, I would probably put him as a must start as an RB2 right now, maybe even a flex, because chances are you probably have somebody else that's going to give you more consistent points. But I do like Miles Sanders as a must start for week 15. Now, going into James Conner. James Conner is a little bit different situation because... Unlike you, Bombo, and I know that you know this because we've had tons of conversations about Connor. My biggest kind of knock on the guy is just that he can't stay healthy. 
you know, he wasn't healthy in, with the Steelers when he was over there in Pittsburgh. He showed flashes and then he would get hurt. And then when he, you know, fast forward, he comes over to Arizona, has an amazing season last year. But and let's face it, he was the third down back. He was that goal line type of guy. And that's really what kind of did it for him. But for, for whatever reason, that solidified him as the number one there. But when he has that number one type of back situation, he gets hurt a lot. And I just don't know if he can carry that kind of workload. So as an RB1, he just can, his health concerns me the most. You know, and I love his story. I think his story, like you said, his story, if you guys don't know it, definitely go out there, YouTube it. It's an excellent story. But from a fantasy standpoint, for fantasy owners, it's harder for me to kind of get a little bit excited about the guy. He has a lot of upside, especially what he did last season. But this season, he's just been in and out of that lineup so much. But to your point, Bombo, I think he's going to have those opportunities because of the fact that Kyler went down. So he's going to get those opportunities. Absolutely. But I'm just cautious on whether or not he'll be able to stay healthy. That's my only reservation about him. Great points, T. And yeah, we when it comes down to your best ability, it's availability. Connor has shown sometimes he's not available, but right now he's healthy. We'll see. We'll monitor practice throughout the week, see where he's at. But when it comes to Miles Sanders, let's just play a little game here. We know how volatile the running back position is. I know you and I are in a couple of the same leagues. We're also in other leagues. Just giving, you know, think about the playoff rosters and some of the leagues you have and some of the running backs are on those rosters. And we'll do a little Miles Sanders or as far as your, your starting lineups. Right now, trusting in your starting lineups. Do you trust Miles Sanders or Jonathan Taylor? Oh, Miles Sanders probably just because of the offense and the situation that he's in. He's in a much better situation, which lends him to have those type of opportunities and those better games. So I would take Miles Sanders all day long over Taylor at this point. And listeners, that's what we're talking about right now. Uh, On paper, overall skill, draft capital, it's Jonathan Taylor all day, but right now we're talking about the fantasy football playoffs. It's win or go home. This isn't double elimination. You've got to put your best guys out there, and your best guys out there are the guys that are going to produce points with the best opportunities. And right now, he's on a high-powered offense that is trying to go. They're they're not comfortable. They're trying. They're not trying to coast into the playoffs. They're trying to get a number one seed and home field advantage locked down. And right now. Miles Sanders running the ball successfully is leading to wins. So go with Miles Sanders. Right now, I would take Miles Sanders over Jonathan Taylor, Alvin Kamara. I would say Najee half Harris. of the backs that are out there right now, I probably would because, are, the, you know, are, it's, it's one of those things. And I was talking to King, right you so, know, when I was calling him while yeah. he was, you know, in his cell and everything, we were talking about some fantasy football. Really, it's just kind of one of those situations where running backs all season long have been the most inconsistent and unreliable from a fantasy standpoint. And guys that should have been dogs this season, they're not. These guys should have been blowing up for us, and they're not. And they went high. You know, and you mentioned it, you know, Kamara. Alvin Kamara is like, where has he been all season? He's non-existent. One game. One game, that's it. Yeah, bingo. Yeah, he one, and yeah, he's on the who the game, fuck. Absolutely. 
So yeah, Evan Ingram game. I, I'm with Evan you on that one, Bombo. And going into the playoffs, you have to be able to rely on that, mm-hmm. and you have to start the guys. This is not just let, let's just let's just put it out there for all the listeners. Week 15 is the beginning of the fantasy playoffs, and the set it and forget it is out the window. You have to understand that you don't want to overthink it, but at the same time. You have to look at those matchups. You have to look at those scenarios and those situations, and you have to put the best opportunity out there for you to win. And it's not a set in and forget it because like King likes to do, he'll throw his coconuts out there and pick a guy to sit his ass on the bench that we don't think is one of those guys that we should, because just because of the name and what he's been doing all season. Well, yeah, they're usually set it and forget it kind of guys. Well, this is the, this is where you start to look at that and you say, okay, is this guy going to be effective this week? So I would definitely caution every listener to be able to not set it and not forget it starting this week. This is the week where you really got to start focusing and buckle down and play those matchups and play those guys. That's the best thing that you could do. Listen up, listeners. Sweet Tea is giving you free game here. He's schooling you, letting you know. Not only do you need to be worried about who you need to have in your lineup, but just as important, you need to know who you should be leaving out of your lineups. Because these guys may have got it done for you for the past 14 weeks, but maybe this week isn't their week. And that's going to take us right into our must-sits. And I'm going to start it off with going a must-sit for me, Tua. I'm going by what I just seen against the Los Diego Chargers. And it's weird because, you know, I see a meme where it looks like the Dolphins run plays as if they got Herbert as their quarterback and the Chargers run plays as if they got Tua as their quarterback. It's kind of weird. But right now I just see a few things that are red flags to me when it comes to the Dolphins as a whole, and if we're talking about the Dolphins as a whole, we have to go straight to the quarterback position. On the positive, Tua seems to be able to make the throws that this offense requires of him to make. A lot of them are plays that we are going to rely on the after the catchability of the receivers and the running backs to go ahead and create big plays and big chunk scores. But, red flag, these guys had heaters on the sidelines at the Chargers Stadium, yep. which isn't too far from Fantasy Island home base studio. And it was like 55 degrees. Like and and in the stadium, it was maybe maybe about between 55 and 60. These guys had heaters. Tyreek Hill got cold, literally was having to get massaged out on the sidelines. And there was a second there where he was out of the game. Waddle was sitting right next to the heaters. And it's like, these are down South boys, right? It's like, they're used to that humidity. They're used to like, and there's something about it, right? Especially like, cause all these guys come from Florida and Texas where it's like crazy hot and humid and they got all this speed in Buffalo. They're, going, they're, they're playing Buffalo, right? And what could be a weather game. And we haven't seen this team in Buffalo. We have not seen this team tough it out in those conditions before. And I don't have, I mean, we've seen Tyreek do it, right? We've seen Tyreek in Kansas City be able to do it. But at the same time, you know, we're not putting Tyreek Hill on the must-sit list. But the reason why I put Tua is Tyreek can have a humongous game and Tua just give you 15, 16 points. 
because it's a different scoring. It's a different scoring matrix when it comes to your quarterback and your receiver. We've seen it at the beginning of the year with Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup would put up 35 PPR points and Stafford would put up 18, right? And that's a good game for Stafford. I think this is going to be similar to that, where if the Dolphins have big plays, it will possibly be with because of a two a throw, but those points will probably go to the receiver or whoever the beneficiary is that's going to get that touchdown. Whereas Tua will, is not going to be able to have opportunities to make things happen in the air for non-scoring plays. He's not going to have a 400-yard game against this Buffalo defense. And I'm not saying the Buffalo defense is world beaters, but Buffalo defense does step up to the level of their competition. And I see them hold their own with KC. I see them in dog fights with New England and dog fights with the Jets. And this is, looks like it's going to be a dog fight. Vegas doesn't have a huge over on this. Game. More later coming into that in a different segment. But as of right now, I just don't think you can trust Tua. There's other quarterbacks that you would put out there. I would put Goff over Tua right now. I put hey, Aaron Rodgers hey, over hey, Tua hey. right now. Going against Chicago defense, that's kind of suspect. That's lost a <laughs> lot of guys. They're looking good for that number two. Um, and these are probably, hey, 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 that's all right. They're, they're looking good. But as of right now, hey, still, hey, that, that'll come later on. But if you give me a, a team that has a lot of pieces and they're getting a number two draft pick, hey, you know what I mean? But as of right now, I think if Tua got you there, don't be afraid to put them on the bench, slap them in the ass and say, you did a good job, kid. We're bringing, the, we're bringing in the closer and that closer should probably be somebody has a better matchup right now. Look at your waiver wire or hopefully you have somebody that was, that has been riding your bench that you can put in because right now that person who should be riding the bench is Tua. My other sit your ass on the bench for week 15 start of fantasy playoffs is whoever the running back is in Detroit. Now Detroit is winning games. Detroit is playing inspired football. They're playing for their coach. They're playing for their quarterback. They're playing for their fans. They're in the hunt for the playoffs. Don't be surprised if they make the playoffs, especially the way that they've been playing. And the recipe for their success has been airing it out with the arm of Jared Goff. And maybe it's time to stop saying this guy's a bust and that they got fleeced in this trade for Matthew Stafford. I know that Matthew Stafford won a Super Bowl, but Detroit's already committed to Goff beyond this season. Detroit said, no matter what, as far as their draft picks and whatever they're doing next year, they're looking at offensive and defensive line, and they're looking at their secondary because they think they're set at quarterback. And let me tell you something, listeners. They are. They are set at quarterback. Jared Goff is playing lights out right now. His receivers trust him. The coaching staff trusts him. And what's crazy is they took TJ Hawkinson out of that offense. So they deleted weapons from that offense. And they're still getting it done. I mean, and we can probably look at anything past the hot. I want to say they're maybe five and oh past the Hawkinson trade or something like that. Five and one. So they're getting it done. The only thing is they're getting it done their way and their way does not require DeAndre Swift getting 20 touches a game. It doesn't require Jamal Williams getting 20 touches a game. And definitely both of them are not going to be flourishing when it comes down to it, because now add Justin Jackson to that mix who just had a touchdown this past week against the Vikings. So they're ready to go full running back by committee, enter their week 15 matchup against the Jets. Jets have been proving it all year. Robert Sala has that defense playing lights out. They're super stiff against the run. I think they could take advantage of mismatches on the field opposite Sauce Gardner. They have the weapons. Jameson Williams is now starting to show up for this team. 
I just think they can get it done through the air and they're down to get in shootouts, which does not look good for their running backs. If I had to, if I absolutely had to start a running back on this team, it would be probably DeAndre Swift and PPR. But if I've been trying to ride DeAndre Swift all year, I'm probably not in the playoffs because I drafted him in, in the second first pick of the second round and he's been hurt. So I've been out of the playoffs since like week eight, if I'm running with DeAndre Swift. So stay away from the Lions backfield. Doesn't mean stay away from the Lions offense. Maybe you can get some pass catchers. Maybe in a flex position, you could add like a DJ Chark, who we'll speak about later on in a different segment, or, or just a, a more more quality running back that has quality opportunity. Right now, you're not going to get that from the Detroit backfield, especially against the Jets. Sit your ass on All the right, Bumble, I got to say the two Detroit thing right. you're spot on absolutely with that. Um, I was listening to and kind of reading the same things you were about the heaters, how these guys are just kind of getting cold and this is LA weather, right? You know, and it's not that far, like you said, from fantasy Island, it's pretty damn close to where we're at. And for the fact that they're getting cold and they have to have heaters and we're, we're Cali people over here. We, we, we're not used to cold and yeah, I get it. They're from Florida. They're not used to the cold either. But you don't see us hovering next to a heater when we're outside. You know, and these guys, these are grown men that are running around, getting hot on the field, running their routes, and they're still getting cold. Like, I don't know about that, right? So I think you're absolutely right. And it's like what King was saying. We got to start looking at the weather situations in a lot of these games because weather is going to start playing a factor, especially with fantasy playoffs coming up. That weather is going to be big for these matchups and Tua going into Buffalo starting week one of fantasy playoffs. No, I don't like that. So I'm 100% behind you on that one. The Detroit running backs. You know, if you were to tell me a couple weeks ago that we would start seeing the Detroit running backs kind of starting to struggle, I would have thought you were crazy because personally, I thought that, you know, they were, I wouldn't say unstoppable, but that Detroit backfield with Swift and Williams and everything. I mean, these guys were just on all cylinders. And I really was just like, wow, these guys coming into this, if these guys are fire and then the the offense just clicks and everything runs through the running game. And then it's like Detroit running backs are starting to fade away and going up against the Jets. That's a stingy defense. So I want no part of that. So absolutely sit both of those guys, all three of those guys on the bench. Just sit your ass down. Do not start any of those Detroit running backs because I'm with you. I don't think that they're going to be able to have any kind of effective game against that Jets D. So you heard it here, folks. That is my sit your ass on the bench for week 15 fantasy playoffs. Which brings us right into sweet tea. So this one is a little bit hard for me to talk about because I never thought I'd be even mentioning this guy's name with any of this stuff. You know, Mike Evans, who would ever thunk that you would say you have to sit Mike Evans ass on the bench, but there's no way around it. Really? You know, this, this offense is just not clicking at all when they do win. It's, what in a low scoring game, they're winning by two, three points. It's not a very good offense. And Mike Evans has not had a good fantasy performance since week eight, when he scored over 18 PPR points. 
Since then, he's scored less than that since week eight. So this guy is not consistent. He's had single digit PPR points in the last three games. He's had less than 60 receiving yards or a touchdown in the last three games. And that is not what you want going into your fantasy playoffs. So this guy just can't be relied on. This offense isn't there. This, this team isn't there. Mike Evans is not performing. So for me, do not play him. Sit his ass on the bench if you want to win week one of your fantasy playoffs. Mike Evans. Number two, this is another one of those guys where I thought earlier in the season, there's no way I'd be calling this guy out on this list at all this season, but Travis Etienne. Travis Etienne, you know, for him, not it's not just the runs with him. It's that passing attack. It's that ability to be able to come out of the backfield and catch. He's very much like an Austin Eckler in that sense, where he's a dual threat because they rely on him coming out of that backfield, catching a lot of balls. And he's not doing that right now. They're not either not looking for him or he's just not getting those opportunities. And so when it comes to him running, he's being held under two yards per carry in the last three games. Like He's not getting a lot of these big chunk yardage that we're used to when he's running. He's not getting the passing when you normally would get involved in that passing game. And he only has three targets in the last three games. So his PPR points has been under eight points in the last three games. So I I just got to say that going into the playoffs, going into the fantasy playoffs, Hell no, I can't play him, which pains me because this is one of those kind of guys I have stock in him. And he's one of those guys that I was projecting and I was wanting to go into my playoffs, hitting on all cylinders, thinking that he's going to be carrying the workload for my running backs situation. And I can't even play him right now. So honestly, I live it. I breathe it. I'm going to back up what I say. Travis Etienne on my roster, but he's sitting his ass on the bench for week 15. That's right. T let everybody know you're at the, at the fantasy Island. What we say is what we do. We're not just throwing it out there, talking heads. We're living this. This is what we're doing. The reality is when it comes to Mike Evans, guys like Zay Jones are having a better year than him. Um, He was drafted as a top 10 wide receiver. So second round, maybe third round. And he's just not producing the way he wants to. And it is because that offense is not doing what it's supposed to be doing. Whether you could say that's the Arians effect, Brady being washed, no Gronk to take the pressure off the middle of the field. But from what I'm seeing, and I know that you've seen this too, is sometimes Mike Evans just doesn't come down with the ball. And there's been a couple of times where Brady's aired it out and what you would think is a for sure 50 yard touchdown turns into a drop, like a, like a drop that leads to them losing the game type deal. So I think Brady has his guys. And right now his guys are whoever the running back is and Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin's getting targeted 11 times a game, 11 times a game. And that's partially because he's open. Chris Godwin gets open. Evans isn't getting the separation that we're used to him getting. He isn't getting those 50-50 balls thrown to him just because Brady doesn't have that time. They There's a lot of pain and a lot of suffering on that offensive line. So he just doesn't have the time and he's making the most of what he has. So right now, I would say from where you drafted him, you probably have already been sitting Mike Evans' ass on the bench a couple of weeks 
without no without any probably problems. If you grab somebody off the waiver wire to to take his place, someone like a Joshua Palmer, or maybe even you started Juju because you got him like in the seventh or eighth round, and now he's doing it for you. But Evans just isn't producing like that wide receiver one that you wanted, and that's what we're talking about right here. We always say it when King's here on this segment. He's not saying that if you put Mike Evans in your lineup, he's going to get you zero points. What we're saying is Mike Evans in your lineup probably gets you seven or eight. And that's probably worse than getting zero points because you were expecting him to get 18 to 25. And you may have a better chance putting somebody else there in your lineup. That's just me. As far as Travis Etienne, I think he had an injury scare a couple of weeks ago. Then he ended up being fine. But really what it comes down to, T, is what you were talking about with Trevor Lawrence. And that's they're letting him throw the ball around. They're letting him mature as a passer, get his receivers, get his tight end involved in it. And for a while there, the Jags were becoming a real predictable team because they were going to give Etienne 25 carries a game and six targets a game. means they were going to see loaded boxes. They were going to see people say, this guy's not going to beat us. Let's see what these guys can do in the air. And the Jags, being an old-school coach football team by an old ball coach, did exactly what they were supposed to do. And that's took that challenge and said, fuck it, let's do it. And they're letting the kid throw the ball around. And that is something that is hurting Etienne's fantasy outlook, but it's helping the actual football team win actual football games. But that's not what we want to hear. We want to hear Etienne getting 25 points a game, balling out. And you're right, T, you hit it right on the, on the money. He is... Dollar Store Austin Eckler. And I think he's going to probably take that next step once teams realize you got to keep an eye on him. You got to keep an eye on this guy. You got to keep an eye on that guy because the more weapons and the more opportunities for those weapons with that team, it's going to free up a lot of stuff for everybody else. We saw earlier in the year with the Chargers when Eckler was catching touchdowns and being super involved in that offense. Keenan Allen went down, but Mike Williams became that wide receiver one. Palmer and Carter started taking up the slack and they really got Gerald Everett involved. So there were other weapons that were catching these passes from Herbert and they were high quality plays and high quality looks. So you really had maybe a couple eyes on Eckler and that's all you need. And Etienne's similar to that, unless you don't have another option. But if you do have another option that has a better matchup or has more opportunities, I would say go for it just because he can't be trusted in your lineup right now to get you the points that you think you're going to get. So both Etienne and Mike Evans, thanks for everything you did for weeks one through 14. But for week 15, sit your ass on the bench. So that's going to wrap us up for our sits and starts for week 15, the start of your fantasy playoffs. Hopefully, if you're in a real league, I'm just kidding. But for Sweet T, for King and the Hooskow, I am Bombo, and we'll catch you next week. Yeah.